Hi, everybody. You're listening to the 20th episode of HBP, the Hipster Baseball Podcast, where we talk about baseball and everything else under the sun. I'm DeCarlo Calloway, alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we order a drink from our favorite bartender, the great Abraham Lincoln. We raise a glass to the comeback of a colonial-era drink. We buy a sports team, and with Valentine's Day coming up, we're martyred for your love. So, like every episode, we start off with what it is that we are consuming in terms of the beverages, whether they be adult in nature or you're just your regular uh, run-of-the-mill drink. So, Dory, how are you doing today, and what is it that you're drinking? I'm good, and happy Valentine's Day, happy President's Day, and nothing make, one of the few things that makes you feel good is love and drinking. And right now we're, we're going to talk about love later. So we're going to talk about drinking. But they right also now. can make you feel terrible too. Let's this is true. <laughs> too much of love and too much drinking does, doesn't do well, but I'm actually just finishing up making my drink. I'm making it old fashioned, but I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm using, and I'm using my fancy uh, stirrer here because I didn't use it last week. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The old fashioned I'm having, is a 1792 small batch bourbon from a small town in Kentucky called Bardstown, Kentucky, which is very famous because it's the bourbon capital of the world in the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. And I mixed it with, this is where the cheating part comes in, white elixir old fashioned mix. So no, I didn't go out and get the all the little different ingredients, do it myself and muddle this and muddle that. I just did it nice, quick, dirty and easy. And now it's ready to drink, and I'm having it in a beautiful uh, artistic glass with a football ice cube. I actually don't have a, a baseball ice cube, but I do have a football ice cube. But anyways, cheers to, ah, goodness, President's Day. And Abraham Lincoln today, tonight, this morning, this afternoon, is our bartender. Now, some of you may know, Lincoln was born on the 12th of February back in 1809. Just a few, just right around the corner. This, that's why we celebrate President's Day, and he was born in Hodgenville, Kentucky. He's a native son of Kentucky, and I actually was surprised because I always consider I always associated him with Illinois. And Hodgenville is only 25 miles away from Bartstown, so he's very much a bourbon man. So Lincoln was actually a licensed bartender. He's as a 20 year as a 23 year old, he opened up a partnership with William Barry, who was 21 years old, and they ran a general store in New Salem, Illinois, for six years, from 1831 to 1837. And it was called the Barry and Lincoln, obviously after Abraham Lincoln and William Barry. So William Barry, he took out a license to serve drinks to consume on site back then that needed to be done. So he took out the license in the name of Barry and Lincoln in 1833. And then the Barry and Lincoln also was not just a general story, it became a tavern, so what do they sell? Where what what is Link? What is Abraham Lincoln going to serve us? He's going to serve you anything you want: brandy, French brandy, peach brandy, apple brandy, gin from Holland, domestic gin, wine, rum, beer, whiskey, beer, etc. And you're asking me, Dorian, this sounds expensive. If the future president is going to be your bartender, this sounds like a really expensive place that I don't belong at. Wrong, my friend. Wrong. It was actually pretty reasonable. If you wanted a half pint of, of that fancy French brandy, it was going to cost you 25 cents in 1833, which in 2021 dollars is $7.75. You want some gin? Half pint, modern day, $5.60. 
the ladies and gentlemen love wine. What about wine? You just want to relax after uh, after working out in the fields and milking cows. You go over to the uh, Barry and Lincoln Tavern. Let's have some wine. $7.75. Rum, my choice of drink usually. $5.60. Whiskey, $3.75. All reasonable these are these are 21st century these are 21st converted yeah from, converted i'm converting right. it for you because for example the, the wine actually was 25 cents in 1833 Jesus, which in man. today's seven dollars and 75 cents which is still very reasonable for a glass in of the united wine. states i mean Correct. that's in europe true. it's like yeah. a euro <laughs> it's cheaper right so uh, yeah like i was saying uh Domestic gin was twelve cents in eighteen thirty three. Today, that's three dollars and seventy five cents. But anyways, we're not we're not here to be talking about uh, prices back in the eighteen thirties. Just to give you an idea. However, so what, Dorian? What happened? Why didn't Abraham Lincoln become the most famous bartender? Open up his club and become the the nineteenth century DJ Tiesto? Because William Barry turned out to be an alcoholic and he would drink on the job, which is very bad. If you if you run a tavern, so that's actually quite normal. If you run common. a tavern, okay. <laughs> like I mean, most bartenders. I I, I bartended for years uh, in undergrad and in after graduate school, and yeah, we would drink on the. Job. There's nothing wrong with bad, a job, it's bad when but you he was it. an alcoholic. Yeah, that's true. Well, most bar like I mean, most of you I bartended were, were alcoholics. They just you know they would yeah. just say I'm a drunk because alcoholics get help. So, I mean, so, I mean, but I think the biggest issue is, is when you own the joint and you're drinking your own stash because you have to pay for it. It's another thing where, you know, most bartenders say it's on the house, meaning the guy who owns it is paying for it. I'm drinking it. You're drinking it for free. And then we'll have a merry fine day unless, you know, they, they actually adhere to the idea of buying back drinks for their customers. But, you know. Yeah. So, all right, dear listener, we're going to wrap this up in the sense that, Unfortunately, Abraham Lincoln did not become the Tom Cruise of the of the 1980s movies cocktail in New Salem, Illinois, because his buddy, Mr. Barry, uh, drank them into bankruptcy. That's exactly what happened. So the, the, the general store and the tavern went into bankruptcy, and our good friend, Abraham Lincoln, had to assume the debts, and it took him 10 years, almost as bad as student loans, 10 years to pay off the debt. He didn't, President he, Biden. <laughs> he didn't pay off the debt until 1847. And here's a funny little tidbit. Uh, what, about uh, 20, uh, 13, 12 years later, when he ran for president in 1860, in a debate with Douglas, his, uh, his opponent, he, <laughs> he denied having served alcoholic drinks. Fake news, fake news. I, Abraham Lincoln, never served alcoholic drinks because it was kind of scandalous back then in the mid century and 18th century to have a potentially future president having been a, basically a bartender. But I thought it was funny. I thought it was fun. It's president's day. It's Abraham Lincoln's birthday. I'm drinking some, some of this delicious bourbon from Kentucky. So cheers, happy Valentine's happy president's day to Carlo. What do you, well, before I, before I talk about drinking, it was funny. You mentioned cocktail. My God, that was such a terrible movie. Like I, I, but everybody I remember, wanted to. Everybody wanted to be a bartender after that. No, after that but Tom you know what's funny? Yeah, but you know what's so funny? If like you ever watch that and you think of Tom Cruise, and then the, the guy who was close to like this Australian actor, who I think the only other movie I remember seeing him in was um, what was it? Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller, and oh, he played like one of these crazy people that he had to try to insure. 
But I'm just like, man, I feel bad for that dude because it's like Tom Cruise turns out to be this like amazing like blockbuster actor, Super even though he's star. crazy. Yeah, you know, allegedly. Um, but this guy, like, it's like one of those moments you're like, oh man, I'm having a movie, and you think like you're the star, and it turns out like you're just like. It's yeah. the same thing happened in the other 80s movie, Desperately Seeking Susan. That movie was a vehicle for Roseanne Arnett, Arquette. And it and Madonna ended up stealing the sh- the, the show as a supporting actress. So. Yeah, but Rosanna Arquette's career didn't, like, fit, like she still maintained. No, she was a solid actress. Yeah, yeah she yeah. she did plenty of roles. She got pl- she got plenty of dough in the bank. Yeah, but but um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm drinking uh, Talisker. Eagle Malt. I've drinking it before. It's good stuff. Nothing too spectacular. No real story. Maybe some guy in a kilt made it, but that's that's about it for me. So, but cheers to you. Cheers to President's Day and uh, Valentine's Day for those who are able to celebrate it. We're getting uh, indoor dining back on Friday. So for all of those people, well, in New York City. In New York way. City. Yeah. So for all of those people who, uh, you know, were hoping that maybe they didn't have to kind of go out and do stuff for valentine's day i hope your significant other isn't somebody who takes that you know seriously in that sense or or our listeners listened to last week's episode episode 19 and took your advice on how to properly prepare a nice dinner that would be smart (laughs) that would be smart honestly it'd be cost effective and at least you know and in your environment you're good and romantic uh disease and germ free but we all love cooking. I think, well, we all love eating cooked food. <laughs> and we also love drinking, as, as we're doing right now during President's Day slash Lincoln slash Valentine's Day. Tweet us a picture of what you're drinking to celebrate Lincoln's birthday, your Valentine's, and we will happily retweet it. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and use the hashtag HBPDrink. There's a, uh, there's other reasons to celebrate over on the West Coast of the United States because some of you have gone out to buy a gift for your Valentine or someone's birthday is right around the corner. But when you're in the business world, you don't do that. You just go out and buy other assets. <laughs> and this is what the NFL San Francisco 49ers uh, team did. The San Francisco 49ers 49ers actually bought a larger chunk of the English football team, Leeds United. Uh, Leeds is the city in Northern England, Mm -hmm. and the 49ers now own 37%, which is a sizable chunk of ownership in in Leeds United. And and the 49ers, they did this investment through their 49ers Enterprise. So 49ers Enterprise is a holding company. It's an umbrella company. And they hold and they own the San Francisco 49ers along with other assets in the in the Bay Area, and now also a good chunk of Leeds United. And they actually first dipped their toe into buying this football slash soccer team back in 2018 with a 15% stake, and now they've upped it all the way to 37%. The the I DeCarlo, I found it funny that the president of 49ers Enterprise, which again I had said it's the business investment arm of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, his name is a Parag. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, Parag Marathi. He's uh, Indian American and he's from the Bay Area. He's a local, incredibly well educated. I think he went to Berkeley for undergrad and I think Stanford for uh, grad school. He published a open letter to Leeds United supporters in the Yorkshire Evening Post 
where he said, I'm just lifting a quick sentence from there. It says, quote, it has been my honor to personally experience what the club represents to the people of Leeds and Yorkshire on and off the pitch, end quote. Smart. And the funny thing, and the funny thing is that those uh, in England, in Britain and in Canada and also Australia, other, basically others, English speaking people outside the U.S., they use you uh, in the word honor, which we don't do here in the U.S. And they, they plopped that in in the Yorkshire Evening Post, which I thought was a little, uh, what was my, I thought it was a little funny. Well, so, maybe they're maybe they're they're word processing software to that because I, I know like when you change the setting to like UK and US, then that's it's gonna have like the spell, yeah. spell check. So it just color oversight. honor all that nonsense. But you know what? I have to say it's kind of smart. Like if anybody who knows the history of Leeds United, it was actually one like a top club in in English football. Mm-hmm up until the early 2000s when unfortunately they had bad financial troubles and ended up getting knocked. Well, they lost, they had bad financial troubles, so they weren't able to invest. So the actual star players that they had, they started selling them off to the the big boys. So if you look at, if you know Manchester United, Rio Ferdinand, he was at one point the um, most expensive uh, defender ever sold. That's right. They should they That's sold right. him off. James Milner, who's like the Superman of of English football, played for every top team, and you know was like the most fit old guy on the pitch. Uh, he started out as a sixteen year old for Leeds United. So they they sold off a lot of players, and then unfortunately they went down to the lower leagues. And fans thought, oh, yeah, we'll come back up. But they just never did. And um, now that they have a decent ownership group and you have the 49ers enterprise that's pumping money into them, they're starting to move up into the ranks now, finally back in the Premier League this season. But it's really important. I like how you spoke about how um, Prague Marasti wrote an open letter to them because when it comes to soccer and whether in England and um, in other parts of um, on the continent of Europe, the fans and supporters really are a vital part of it and they don't play and they'll hold their owners accountable. And, you know, some Americans have come in there and have had good success. If you look at um, Fenway sports group with Liverpool FC, if you look at the Glazer family with Manchester United, um, they've been successful, but you also have your Randy learners when he owned Aston Villa. And you also had your Hicks and Gillette when they owned Liverpool and almost bought the team to the point of administration. Um, So it's really important to, to carve out that relationship with your fans, especially in that sport. Whereas if we look at American sports, you know, we, we know maybe the ownership groups or at least the figurehead chairperson for some teams like the Yankees, you knew who George Steinbrenner was, um, with the Raiders and NFL, you know, Al Davis, like there's certain personalities that stand out, but in, in, when it comes to soccer, everybody's holding them accountable and fans know their power. They will sit up and leave and protest when it comes to elevating prices and and tickets for the games or changing that culture and really trying to monetize overtly i mean that we know oh, yeah. it's a business it's a sports business and people are in it to make money and, and, and flip a profit but not at the expense of your supporters who will go thin like do thick and thin with you you have generations of families who own season tickets from like great great grandfather now down to their grandchildren so it's really important that the ownership does demonstrate they're there for the fans and that they're there and understand the culture of those teams and that's a that's a really smart way of doing that yeah, and DiCarlo basically answered the question of Dorian. That's fantastic that that some American football team is buying into an 
English football slash soccer team. Who cares? Why, why in the world would they do this? I'm going to tell you. And I'm not going to tell you. The majority owner and the Leeds United chairman is going to tell you. He, his name is uh, Andrea Ra, uh, Radrizani. He's from Milan, Italy. And he said, quote, we must also be focused on reaching our potential commercially and developing Ellen Road and our training facilities, end quote. Ellen Road is where Leeds United plays, but commercial, that tells you this is a real estate move because a lot of teams in the U.S. and a lot of, of these major clubs are in Europe are starting to invest commercially in the, the areas immediately surrounding the stadiums, whether it's shops, bars, restaurants, obviously this once this COVID-19 pandemic ends, we'll be able to do that. And that's when I read that, I'm like, that's why the 49ers Enterprises is investing more because they see the potential build out of more commercial. It's not because Ellen Road can only hold so many fans. I don't know if it's 30,000, 40,000, but they're not going to just overnight increase it to 100,000 people. That's not going to show up. But And these sports season always run finite amount of time. But you wanting to go out, you wanting to go shopping, that's 365 days a year. So that is my take on why the San Francisco 49ers enterprise bought into this Leeds United. But and also, you just got to look at some of the, the other teams that have grown their, um, their brand and have made extreme amounts of money in the short time, like in the time in which they've owned them. Looking at Liverpool Football Club, for example. So when Fenway Sports Group bought them, they bought them for 330 million um, pounds. Complete like, steal. Complete steal. Deal. We, now you want to know how much they're worth? They're worth over three billion, like pounds. So, so basically, they made a 10, 10, 10 times return. Yes. ten times return. On and not only that, they did invest. Not they they've used those funds because now, if you know, if anybody knows the sports contracts, these television lucrative deals are huge because now that you have streaming sites and satellites like have really tapped in, plus the internet, people can stream these games all over the world. So the markets yep. have opened up. Asia's opened up a huge market. North America has opened up a market Middle because you've had the Middle East. And then you have them going on these tours in the preseason. They didn't this season because of COVID, but you would have all of these teams. Like you have Chelsea, you have Manchester United, you have Real Madrid from Spain, you have Barcelona. They come and then they yep. do these tours in the United States and in Asia and the Middle East. And then they've also do developments on the stadium. Liverpool added a main, a new main stand. And then they're also thinking about expanding one of their other stands as well. Plus they've just recently opened a new training facility that is housing both the first team plus the youth team all together and making tons of money and getting more endorsement deals. They just did a deal with Nike. So it's so lucrative to be able, if you were able to go in there, build a team, especially one that has a good fan base and a history behind it, because then you at least know that those who are invested will be there. Then once you start winning, the television rights go up. You're going to get more like games that are going to be broadcasted here in the United States. If you watch on NBC on, or Fox, CBS, they all have rights, whether it be the Champions League, whether it be the Premier League, whether it be like, like – so there is big money in soccer right now. Absolutely. And we're, we, we're, we're talking a lot about buying on this episode. We're buying drinks from the Abraham Lincoln Tavern, the Barry and Lincoln Tavern, where the 49ers Enterprise is buying more of Leeds United. But people with a lot more deeper pockets than us are also buying – 
And I'm not talking about Valentine and birthday gifts. I'm talking about more football clubs. Talk about Hollywood stars bringing that glitter to smaller football clubs that aren't like Manchester United or Liverpool. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of these stars that are currently owning some of these football clubs. One of them are, I think it's it's funny, it's interesting, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who's the star of Deadpool, and Rob... Uh, and two guys a girl in a pizza place. Do not forget that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. And Rob <laughs> McKelleny, who's... Rob McKelleny, he's, he's, he's one of the stars of one of my favorite TV shows, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, oh my God, love I that freaking show. love that show. So these two guys, Rob and Ryan... They actually bought Wrexham Football Club, which is in northern Wales, which is a small country in Great Britain. It's just to the west of England. They bought it for the low, low price of two million pounds, which converted into U.S. dollars is two point seven million dollars. And they're in the fifth tier five. They're basically four levels down from the, 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 the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Leeds United. So this is a very small club, but the locals in, uh, in uh, what is this place? Wrexham. In Wrexham. They're very excited because who would have known that these Hollywood stars would even know <laughs> where Northern Wales is. So they're very excited. They've, been, they've, they've managed to do a lot of the charity work. Uh, they've been raising money for uh, local charities in Wrexham, for broke people, you know, families, families uh, in need, this, that, and the other. So, Tip of the hat to uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob uh, McKelly. And also, what, a, what about the ladies? I'm going to get to the ladies. Mindy Kaling. I think she's very funny. She was in a bunch of TV shows. The I Office. The, and, the Office. The and other one, her right? own show, Mindy. The, I forgot. Mindy Project. The Mindy Project, the Mindy Project. Yes. yeah. And actually, I thought the Mindy Project was actually funny. She's part of an a, a ownership team that owns, uh, that's has a minority ownership stake in Swansea City, also in Wales. I, I see a pattern here. And Swansea so, actually has been in the Premier in the League Premier, the last yeah. couple of seasons. I mean, they're, they're in the championship now, but they're still- Yeah, so congratulations to Miss uh, Miss Mindy and also LeBron James. Every, I mean, come on, if you're a sports fan, you know who LeBron James is. Who? He himself, <laughs> LeBron James owns by himself. 2% of Liverpool Football Club. Yes, I didn't does. I was like, wow. Like this not only is he an absolute amazing genius on the basketball court, he's but he's business very man. smart. No, the, you wealthy I, man. I have to I have to kind of like digress a bit and really focus on LeBron because I will tell you this and and I will say this when he first got drafted, I thought, you know, because you know with like the prodigy sports he athletes, so you either hyped. You you either have the the Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo personality type or the Lionel Messi personality type. And, you know, LeBron, from the age of, like, 16, the guy's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you're thinking, oh, this man comes in the league, he does what he does. And I think really the worst thing that got him was the, the Miami Heat when he did the, the, the announcement. I'm taking my talents to South Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody hated him. I was like, oh, this guy's terrible. I'm a Liverpool supporter. Anybody who knows me, I'm a big-time Liverpool supporter, have been, will always be, and that's what it is. When he bought... 2% of Liverpool, I was like, okay, I got to give this guy a different look. And then you pay attention to what he's done. Business-wise, the guy invests and he's good. Yep. And you would think like, oh, and people kind of like, he, he's not a college-educated guy, but he's business-educated. 
And he's been in the game for so long, and he's been fortunate enough to have people who surround he surrounds himself with people who have been with him from the start, who have always had his best interests at heart, and who also knew how to handle business. And so any deal that he does, always vetted. And he always makes a return on it. And with Liverpool, he invested not too long after FSG bought. And within a matter of less than 10 years, he the initial, I believe he invested maybe... I can't like a, remember. It was a couple of it, was, it wasn't sing, it was in single Sing-o. dollars uh millions. It was in yes. sing, it was and like that, in the single millions. Yes. Like four, now, six million, something like that. And he flipped it's, to the thirty million now. Yeah, it's yeah, in the twenties, thirties. Yeah, it's incredible. And he also has that he also had a bit he had a small stake, but it turned out to be large in beats head uh headphones. headphones. We he ended up I think he had like a maybe a million dollar investment and it turned out to be thirty million. And then he has a big investment in some fran- pizza franchise in the Midwest or something. No, Blaze Pizza. Blaze. I've never eaten there. They're There's on the West one. Coast. They're in the East there Coast. Yeah, it's it's almost like you go in there and they do like Blaze Pizza is actually all right. I can't <laughs> even front. And yeah. he also he has another thing, a ladder, which is like sports nutritional drinks. That's also um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger as endorsement. Okay. Like. And he's he's all over the guy. You got to give him credit. And, yeah. and he's Nike. Like it also helped like get the deal for Liverpool to get Nike because when one of your owners is like the, a huge the Nike, face, the face, the face of, one of, of the Nike, face of Nike. Yeah. yeah, it was like, come on, guys, let's make this happen. So yeah. So again, we have Ryan Reynolds, Rob McAllenny, Mindy Kang, LeBron James, and also let's not forget Elton John, the fantastic performer. He's absolutely amazing. He actually owned Watford Football Club. Watford is uh, about half an hour north of London. He owned it twice. He's owned that football club twice in his life. It's been a lifelong And he's a lifelong Watford fan. So it was like – and they still have a stand. It's Sir Elton John stand at Watford. Absolutely. And they're in the Premier League still. Much, much love to Sir – Elton John, because he is classic. He, that man, his music will never go out of style. And speaking of things that are will never go out of style, we're talking about our, our founding fathers and uh, some of the things they like to drink to Carlo. Yeah, so one thing that we, we're starting to see that's making a comeback is moonshine. I remember, what was it, a couple years ago, I, hearing people um, – you know, say, oh, like, what are you drinking? I'm drinking moonshine. And you think of moonshine, you think of like light, like corn liquor. You're corn thinking blind. about the stuff that's going to make you blind <laughs> that somebody up in the mountains in the Appalachian Mountains was making. Um, but you're seeing original moonshine that was first cultivated from apples called Applejack starting to come back around. You know, it seems a lot of these older like trends are starting to make their way back. And Applejack originally... Um, historians believe was invented by American colonists and was a, a low tech method called jacking, which is Jack spirits. Um, they're not distilled uh, by the usual method of boiling, but by freezing um, And any household with the supply of hard cider and cold weather could make Applejack. Um, so in the 18th century um, back in the blue Ridge mountains, this is a remote, remote Western part of the Western frontier back in the 18th century. Even though when we think of the West, we're thinking California, but 18th century, we're talking about like 1700s. This was the frontier. And it was used as local currency. 
Because remember, frontier times is essentially just anybody, anything goes. You need to find whatever thing has value. And so Applejack was one of these things that was used as currency. And so when John Chapman, as we like to know as Johnny Appleseed, mm. um, it wasn't really, you know, people use the myth like, oh, no, they planted apples and people baked pies. And this is why apple pie is America's like dessert. No, nah, it was mainly for drinking. Um, and so for one, apples and cider was a life-saving staple. And as I stated before, it was valuable legal tenure. And, you know, because he was speculating his own real estate, so he would be doing this in terms of planting seeds and producing or- orchards. He and was a company- businessman doing yeah. business things. Yes. Most people who've done things, it's always been to make a buck, but with the intention sometimes of doing a lot for other people as well. So we'll give him that. And we love apples. Um, and so it's come a long way from the homebrew that it is and, and moonshine. Um, so it's actually making its way. So people are, are using it and now distilling it and selling it as apple moonshine and also using it to make food. You know, like I, I, make, I read about. Wait, 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 wait. Make food? Like desserts. Oh, okay. Like Applejack pecan bunt cake. It's actually a recipe. It's in the New York Times. Well, whenever I hear the others. words, whenever I hear the words Applejack, I always think of the cereal. I know, me too. It was like, <laughs> oh, Applejacks. Um, and so, but the, the crazy thing about it was, was that most people don't really know that this stuff existed prior. And Applejack really like fell off the map once we got towards prohibition, because then, of course, you know, alcohol, if those who know prohibition was the time that allowed for the rise in organized crime and didn't stop people from drinking. It just made it a lot more enticing. And um, expensive. Yes, and expensive. Hence why we have middlemen, hence distributors, why alcohol and is lucrative. more expensive now. Yes. Lucrative. That's why Joseph P. Kennedy, father of President John F. Kennedy, he made his money smuggling booze in from England. Well, he made his money before that, but he continued yeah. to make money using his diplomatic diplomatic immunity by smuggling in alcohol from England to the U.S. But I'm sorry, but go on. Yeah, so, but no, exactly. So with Prohibition, you know, all of the orchards have been raised because at one point there was, um, you know, the New York Times published an editorial titled Wicked Beverage, condemning not only liquor in general, but Applejack. Uh, The name, you know, it's it's, it's sweet. But this wasn't a recent editorial by the New York Times. This was back a long time ago, to probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This century. is back in the no, no. This is back. Um, yeah. So this is back in the 19th century. This took place. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> this wasn't. This wasn't been, like last week. <laughs> I've been drinking too much of my my scotch right now. But anyway, I remember so, this? Yeah. Yeah. So back in the uh, 19th century, they produced the editorial that um, really took the stick to Applejack. Um, and they, you know, they said it was evil and damning. And we have to keep in mind that back in the late 19th century, when it came to hard spirits, because people drank spirits. And we're talking about like 40% alcohol, 90 proof, heavier stuff back then, because life oh, yeah. was hard. Life was hard. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, um, a lot of men would drink their, their, their sorrows away or come home. And their salary. Them. Yep, their salary. Or their earnings. Their they, didn't have, they didn't have salary. It was their earnings. Their earnings for the day, and then they would come home angry, distraught, you know, yeah. lay hands on wives and kids. And so, you know, temperance was that response to that. So, right. you know, prohibition, when we think about it, it wasn't as though people were just mad that people were getting drunk. It was the after effects of alcohol consumption that really caused 
it to happen to such a degree. And, you know, thankfully we did learn a lesson to at least regulate it a bit and not produce such hard um, spirits that would cause people to get super, super drunk and also cutting out saloons. So, but now we're starting to see a resurgence of moonshine and Applejack in particular. So let's raise a glass to bringing back American culture, but in a refined <laughs> way where people are not laying hands on other people at and, home too much. Hopefully not. And and thankfully the 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 Barry and the Barry and Lincoln Tavern had gone bankrupt long before all this happened. Otherwise, there would have been more heartache for our future president Abraham Lincoln. But I know, and DiCarlo knows, that all of us had maybe a couple of drinks during Super Bowl. And in our our next segment right now, this is uh, Miss Cleo time, a.k.a. Weekly Predictions. We don't have any predictions for the future looking into our Magic 8-Ball for the next week. But we're going to go back and we're going to hold ourselves accountable. How did we do with our Super Bowl predictions? DiCarlo, I'm going to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some football Monday night party? I got Frank and Al. We're gonna get it kick started. So, Miss Cleo, <laughs> are you ready for some football, to Carlo? I was ready for I you know. to stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. I wish they would bring that song back for Monday night football. Well, I don't think they will after um, what is it? After I sang it, Andy Williams <laughs> Jr. That's that's because it's Andy. Williams oh yeah, song. yeah. After he went on a you know a rampage against Obama back in the day. So, oh, that's right. But yeah, but it wasn't him. It was his dad that made it famous, and they just kept him on as no, some kind no, of like no, no, no. It was Hank Williams. No? It was not Andy Williams. It was Hank Williams Jr. That's who it was. I thought it was his dad that made no, that no, song no, no, famous. No, 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 no. Hank Williams oh. Sr. was the guy who like was the sweet singing like Branson and stuff like that. He was oh. really known for like doing. But no, but Hank Williams, yeah, he was he was all, hardcore. He all was, I know is that name Obama. Like he went. Nuts and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, after that, ESPN was like. You know, we severed ties, and then they tried it with Carrie Underwood. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it was no, no, it was one of those things that was really good. Who cares? About all of the Underwood. following Monday Night Football songs have been whack. So I'm all about that. Are you ready for some football? Miss Cleo's ready to look back. I'm ready to look back. The Carlos ready to look back. No, I'm ready to look back to. That was the best one ever. Like that was like yeah. But so. We both predicted that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to beat the San Francisco the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs were going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I said that the Chiefs are going to win 30 to 20. And because we had two Miss Carlo episodes, Miss Carlo, Miss Cleo, Miss Cleo. <laughs> that's a future segment, Miss yeah, Carlo. Probably. Yeah, the uh, that's the gender fluid future segment. But in this Miss Cleo segment, we were both wrong. The, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually ended up beating very comfortably the Kansas City Chiefs, and we also predicted who would, who was the the surprise halftime show. I said that the surprise halftime show, along with the weekend, was going to be the Weezer. Wrong. To Carlo, who was your surprise guest halftime show prediction along with the weekend? Well, going back to the, our, our both predictions being terrible, when I look <laughs> at like Tampa Bay beating Kansas City, I was like, man, this is like an old guy. Like, you know how like old men still have like that old man strength, and even when yeah. you get older, they just know how to beat you with pressure points. That's yeah. essentially what happened. And you know. Tyron Matthew should have just not said anything to Tom Brady because as soon as he pissed off Tom Brady, Tom Brady went to school on him. It just was destroying him. So, but yeah, 
you know, we could make excuses for Patrick Mahomes' toe. I mean, it was clear he was definitely hurt. But, um, yeah, we were both wrong on that. And I said Kendrick Lamar and Rihanna were going to be surprise guests. And you know what? I'm going to stick to it. You want to know why? You want to know still why? playing the Super Bowl? No, 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 no. Why? You want to know why? Why? Because all of those people who were dancing with the weekend had bandages and face masks on. We don't know who was there. So we all could have been okay. right in that case. Yeah, but I, I, that's, that's very generous of you. Uh, you know, you, you obviously you're – that's generous of you. But no, but, you know, but also it was kind of funny. I was thinking about it, just like digressing. Like I feel bad for whoever like told their family and friends like, yo, I'm performing with the weekend in the Super Bowl. Look out for me. And they're like, yo, who? <laughs> I'm the ba- like, I'm bandage I'm bandage guy number 45. Yeah, exactly. It's like anybody could have been like bandage guy, so, you know. Anyway, it was good. It was good. It was uh, look, it I just say I was look, disappointed though. I was disappointed with the game because I'm we're not going to do an analysis here at the Super Bowl, but I'm going to tell you right now people that the re- two reasons why the Tampa Bay three reasons why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. Number 1, they're a hell of a good team. Number 1. Number 2, the Kansas City Chiefs defense was unbelievably undisciplined. I, 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 that first half, I was just shaking my head after every single play. Number three, and this, and no one's talking about this. Everyone's talking about the crazy, incredible athlete that Patrick Mahomes is, which is he is. He is the best quarterback on the planet, regard, so, even Sunday including. They had a backup offensive line trying to protect him. People don't – no one is talking about that. They had, I think, one starter on that offensive line. And to think that a bunch of backups was going to stop one of the best front seven defenses in the National Football League is insane. Absolutely insane. So, but anyways, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Congratulations to the weekend. Uh, somehow, I'm sure amongst those bandaged faces, the weekend uh, – the weekend. The Weezer was there along with Kendrick Lamar and Rihanna. <laughs> but Kendrick Lamar, Rihanna, Weezer, The Weeknd, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, they all have things to do for Pat, for St. Patrick's Day, for Valentine's Day, as do you. We keep saying we're buying. Hollywood stars are buying football clubs in England. You're buying flowers or I don't know what for other people. And this is where our show sponsor can help you. Our show sponsor today is Ludia's. Ludia's, your home for the finest jewelry in Florida. For your last minute gift shopping, or if you're thinking ahead for a birthday or anniversary, Ludia has all the beautiful jewelry for you. When you shop for your Valentine's, think Ludia's, your home for the finest jewelry in Florida. But you didn't know, you know, who didn't have enough jewelry is some of these, some, someone I'm, some two men that I'm going to mention in our next segment called the Dewey Decimal System, aka Lost in History. History, history, history. It's Valentine's Day, or it's a writer, or you're listening to this around Valentine's Day. People always talk about Valentine's Day getting shot in the heart, some crazy little baby with uh, who's basically almost butt naked and with wings. Wrong people. That's not how it went. that's not how it went down. I'm going to tell you a quick tidbit about Valentine, the real Valentines. Basically, there were two Valentines in ancient Rome 
And I'm going to tell you right now, none of them had wings and none of them wore white nappies and none of them were actually running around butt naked either. Firstly, there was a man called Valentine of Rome. He was martyred, a.k.a. killed for his religious beliefs in 269 AD, about 1,800 years ago. He was a priest and he was made a saint uh, 200 years later by Pope Galatius I. There's a lot of legends about him that this is the guy that you hear about. This is the guy you hear about. Um, he was the one that wrote as in jail. He wrote some girl, uh, your Valentine. Wrong. Didn't happen. A legend. Nothing, people don't know anything about this guy. He is buried in Rome on uh, Via Flamenia, and he was actually buried on the 14th of February. Pope Galatius I himself, the man who made Valentine of Rome a saint, said, quote, Valentine of Rome, whose names are justly reverenced among men, but whose acts are known only to God, end quote. So what, why was Valentine of Rome martyred, killed? Because he was killed on the orders of Emperor Claudius Gothicus. Gothicus means he was the conqueror of the Goths. He won a major battle in the Balkans, but that, that, that's not my point here. Emperor Claudius Gothicus was not happy that this uh, Valentine of Rome, this priest of Christianity, was, was converting people to Christianity. He said, enough of your nonsense. I'm tired of you. You're gone. So uh, St. Valentine of Rome, is he's the patron saint of engaged couples, happy marriages, and love. Aww. So who's the other guy who was running around Rome causing, stirring up uh, troubles? Valentine of Dedney. He was martyred slash killed in 273, about four or five years after the Valentine of Rome, after Valentine of Rome. He was beheaded on the orders of the Roman prefect, which was basically... I'm taking some liberties here. He's basically the mayor of Rome, uh, Placidus. Placidus was pissed off that this Valentine of Tedney was running around. I'm sorry, the mayor. Uh, uh, um, he wasn't the mayor of Rome. He was uh, like the, the, he's the man that ran Tedney, which is a small town in, in Italy. He was pissed off that he was converted. This Valentine of Tedney was converting people to Christianity. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you people, there is no little white cherubub Flying around butt naked, chair that that too. I've had a little too. Uh, uh, the our, our, uh, Abraham Lincoln has been serving me a little too much uh, bourbon, but no such thing as little white people running around shooting arrows at your heart and making sure that you fall in love with your compatible Aquarius sign with Leo and Mercury rising. It's all nonsense, people. The moral of the Dewey Decimal System segment is. Do not, if you're, if you're called Valentine, change your name because you're probably going to get beheaded. And secondly, don't run afoul of the ancient Roman authorities and piss off their gods because they're going to cut your head off. But besides that, happy Valentine's Day. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. And for those who find themselves without a significant other, you're lucky. That's the last <laughs> That was kind of morose, but anyway. <laughs> Not as bad as getting your head cut off for trying to convert people to a different religion. You know what the worst part about this is, is that if you, like, going at, like, after the whole, like, Roman persecution of Christians and how, you know, they grew so fake much. Fake news. Fake news. 
Uh-huh. And then, you know, the Christians, the population grew too much that Constantine, you know, he talked about knowing how to be able to play it right. It was like, oh, yeah, I saw, you know, of course, this is the historical reports. He says he had a dream and, and saw a cross in the, in the sky, and that gave him a sign to use that as his, uh, his symbol against the battle. And, and then they won, and, you know, then he was able to, you know, accept Christianity because he knew as a political move, it was the smartest mm-hmm. thing to do was allow Christians to practice. He was a great And emperor. he wasn't baptized until he was on his deathbed. So that goes yep. to show you, essentially, he was like, uh. And, and then there was reports that he really wasn't the one who actually, like, welcomed it, that it was kind of forced upon him before he was dying. So, <laughs> interesting. But, yeah. Yeah, but you know what else was forced upon us, but this is good forcing the love of our pets. Hipster baseball podcast, HBP. We love pets and we know that you love pets as well. And that's why we welcome you. We invite you to send us pictures of your pets doing what they do best, asking for food, sleeping, going for a walk, flying around the house. Or also bopping their heads to like dope beats. Now I know those who watch YouTube and You'll see cats and dogs who definitely know how to keep a beat when it comes to good music. So our or pets, bopping their heads to our the Carlos intro and outro music. Tweet us a picture. Our Twitter handle is at hbp4040 and use the hashtag hashtag hbpets hbpbts. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thank you for listening once again. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at HBP4040. And as you know, our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast, where we speak about baseball, other sports, and a bunch of other things as well. Take care. Talk to you soon.